Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. So I'm going to invite Christian to come up here, and before he preaches, we're going to pray for him together, okay? Let's bow together and let's pray quickly. Lord, we thank you for our gives the word that in the short time he has, you would powerfully work through him and open up your word to us so that we feel as though we have heard from our God. And we pray that will happen and that we will be changed people and we will light up our world through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. I'm going to go over here because I'm a big guy and I need more room. You know, it's a... it's really a blessing this morning. I feel so ministered to already without the message, and I feel it's a, it's a great privilege to be worshiping with you guys. Um, today, I want to tell you a story. It's a story that most of us have probably heard at one time or another. It's a story that's probably told in, in every child's Sunday school classroom around the world. It's a story of David and Goliath. But wait, before, before all of you shut off and, and want to take a nap, saying, oh, I've, I've heard this one before, I'm going to give you some key thoughts to think about before I go into this story. Now, with all great stories, there's a big climatic buildup. The background's given. The characters are introduced. The villain, the hero, tension. Then when all these things to, to build up to create this huge suspenseful action story, there's a huge epic battle at the end and that David beats Goliath. Oops, I, I told you the end of the story. <laughs> but because of, of what we remember from our childhood, we have missed, I think, the fruit of this story. Perhaps some of us skim through the story because we read it before. We, we know what happens. David beats Goliath. Or perhaps some of us even skip the story because we know it so well. And others just want to continue to read this story because it makes you feel good at the end. But as we walk through this story, keep these words in mind. Keep your eyes on God. Do not be distracted by anything else. Let me repeat that. Keep your eyes on God. Do not be distracted by anything else. Let's go into the story. I want, to, I want you to picture this. I have no slides. I think Heath has a slide prepared. But I want you guys to use your imagination I know that some of you haven't done this in a while. It's okay. You won't get injured. You, you won't pull a muscle or anything. Just try to use those muscles again and, and just use your imagination. Picture this. There's an old Braveheart-like scene. There's a Braveheart-like battle going on with swords and, and shields and, and perhaps chariots and armor. On one side, there, there is the, the Israel army. 
And, and there's, this, there's this valley separating you from the Philistines on the other side. There, there's this tension in the air. Everyone is, is waiting for this battle to happen. There are feelings of anxiety, fear, and perhaps some excitement. I can't even imagine what, what the feeling would be before the, the battle would happen. But if you can with me, imagine the first time before you, you performed in that first piano recital. Imagine the first time you, you stepped out on the field, maybe to your first baseball game, or, or the call that you had that, that might close your first deal, or the first incision that you had to make as a doctor. The first time you taught a class. Or you could imagine me last night as I was preparing the sermon. Those would be the closest things I could, I could think of that, that, would, that would get us into this feeling of, of this tension what's about to happen. You know, uh, I know Heath had a drawing um, up here. The Israelites see a giant figure across the valley standing in front of the Philistines. They thought, man, that guy must be 10 feet tall. That guy has armor from his head to his toes. That armor must, must weigh at least 100 pounds. This guy's huge. Look at that javelin. Look at that sword. Look at all that he has. Look at that. How can we defeat that? This brings us to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 8 through 10. Let me read it for you. It says, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. The Israelites, they just shuddered in fear. Do you remember what I said in the beginning? Keep your eyes on God. Do not be distracted by anything else. Now let's change scenes. There's this young shepherd boy. He was Jesse's son. He was the youngest of, of Jesse's eight sons, actually. His name was David. He was not old enough to go to battle like his three oldest brothers. I think the cutoff age for, for battle was about 20 years old back then, so, so he was younger than 20 years old. He was only a kid. His day-to-day -day job was to go back and forth from playing the harp for Saul, if you remember back in chapter 16, to tending his father's sheep at Bethlehem. He was a good kid. One day, Jesse asked David to bring some food to his older brothers and just to see how they were doing. So early in the morning, David got up and took the food to the war front, just as his father told him. When he got there, he just left the food with the, with the keeper of the supplies and ran to the front to see his brothers. As he was talking with them, he heard something really shocking. He heard this big behemoth of a man, Goliath, shout out the same vile things that he's been shouting out for the last 
40 days. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. But David, he, he couldn't really believe what he saw next. He saw the Israelites, God's chosen nation, just tuck their tails under the legs and, and run the other way. All the men of Israel just said, have you seen this guy? He's huge. He's been saying these things for the past 40 days. I don't know how we could go up against this giant Philistine. Let me illustrate this. Our truck that we have outside for the trailer is pretty huge. You know, it's, it's pretty manly. I'm pretty sure that, that all the trailer team, before they step in this truck, they shout battle cries as they, as they, as they walk into this truck, you know, because they own the road. This big 30-foot trailer and this truck. But at the same time, if they went head-to-head with a semi-truck, you know, it's pretty obvious who'd win. You see, these men were not wimps. These soldiers had, had experience. These were warriors, the Israelites. But they were scared. But David, David didn't have war experience. He only knew sheep and the harp. David hasn't been influenced by seeing a brother in arms die by his side. David was pretty innocent in the war scene. But David kept his eyes on God. He wasn't distracted by anything else. David loved God. David knew God's pursuit of him, and he responded. In the quiet times when he was shepherding, he loved God. He had a relationship with him. So he heard Goliath speak against his God. And man, David's anger burned. You know, when I see Pastor Dave, I see a man who who loves his wife. I see a man who loves his children. And he would do anything in his power to protect, protect them. And I I also know that you wouldn't want to mess with any of them because then you'd have to answer to Pastor Dave. And and when you see a man with that kind of passion, it's just burning. There's something up. David in the story burned with this kind of anger. How dare you speak like that against God and his people? If you speak like that to Israel, you're speaking to my God like that. David's anger was greater than his fear because he saw God. He knew God. Let's look at David's response in the second half of verse 26. I'll read it from the ESV. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Those are some heavy words. If if I were or if we were from Israel back then and you called me uncircumcised, I would think that would be a pretty big insult. <laughs> and I would, I would feel pretty small. David was so passionate that his anger was noticed throughout the Israelite camp. And it went up to the, the ranks of King Saul. Let's continue on to see what David said to Saul. 
verses 32 through 37. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there was a lion or a bear, and, and it took a, a lamb from the flock, I went after him and I struck him and I delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. In other words, David said, I killed animals like that guy over there. This, this Goliath that defies our God, he's no different. He's just an animal. How dare he speak to my God like that? And Saul agrees. Saul says to David, go, and the Lord be with you. And I think in the background, Saul's saying, it's not me. I'm not going to face him. You know, going, going, taking a little step back, if anyone was fit to fight, it was Saul. His head and shoulders above the rest, he was a huge man. He was supposed to be this man of courage, but at the same time in his inauguration as the first king of Israel, he was hiding in the baggage. And Saul gave his armor to David. He gave over to David his helmet of, you know, I'm a chicken, here you go. <laughs> he go, gave over his coat of armor like, I really couldn't do what you're about to do. <laughs> he gave over his, his sword. In theory, this, this sword should work against that big guy. Here you go. <laughs> he transferred over his whole faithlessness. David refused it. If you, Saul, didn't go out there with all this on, and I feel clumsy in this armor, how do you expect me to feel safe in this? I'm just going to go out there with these stones, the sling, and the staff of mine. That's home for me. But most importantly, I go out there with God. David proceeded. Remember in the beginning, keep your eyes on God. Do not be distracted by anything else. And Goliath moved toward David. In verses 41 through 47, Goliath walked out toward David with a shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced pretty boy. And my dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick, and he cursed David in the names of his gods. Come over here, I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to this Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and the whole world will know that 
there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not the sword and the spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. I think David was a little angrier than Saul. David knew that God would fight the battle for him. David knew that God was the semi-truck and Goliath was just a little civic. David was in God's passenger seat. You know, as an illustration, um, a few years back I, I was able to golf in, in beautiful Vancouver and, um, and as we were golfing on this hole, me and a, a buddy of mine and this other guy, we both hit our hit our balls on the right side of the fairway. The fairway is this big, long thing that you hit the ball on. But we're on the right side of it, and when we approached our ball, we, we looked uh, on the other side of the fairway, and we saw a little cub. I'm a Cubs fan, but I'm not a fan of these kind of cubs. <laughs> you know, and we saw a cub, and immediately we were fearful. Not, a, not of that little cute cub, but because of what might be behind those trees. So we picked up our ball, and we couldn't, we wanted our cart to go as fast as we can. We, we just jammed out of there. David was like that little cub. He wasn't scared because he knew that he had a God bigger than him, representing him. David knew that Goliath was no match for God. So David ran towards the giant, took out the stone, and slung it right into Goliath's head. The Philistine fall, fell. David ran over and took Goliath's sword. David then used it to cut off his head. You, you know, in baseball, you know, a 90-mile-per-hour fastball takes less than half a second to cross a plate, which is about 60 feet away. And let's say Goliath is about 60 feet away, and I think a sling would go a lot faster than, than a fastball. So this, this epic battle that we're all prepared to 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 look forward to was over in less than a second, less than half a second. If you blinked, you would have missed the whole thing. Could you imagine the Israel army, you know, the, going down to tie the shoes, and they get up and the, the giants down on the ground, they're like, man, I missed it, what happened? <laughs> you know, it was just over like that. Not really a great Hollywood battle. <laughs> God did it. David was there for the ride. If this was a boxing match, David was just Goliath's glove. Just knocked him out. Once the Philistines saw what David did, they fled. They ran for their lives. And the men of Israel, in turn, pursued the Philistines with this renewed confidence. So what? So what? What is this story teaching us? Well, if I were to tell you the applications that many of us grew up with in church, it it would be, become like David. You need to spend more time with God. Do your quiet time more diligently. You're lacking in prayer, brother. Go pray more. Serve the church. Join the welcoming team. We need you. Join the praise team. They need you. Join the children's ministry. Do this. Do that. Do, do, do. 
we're just given this laundry list of things to do. And these things that should bring us freedom and closeness with God actually bring us stress and feelings of failure because we missed a quiet time where we, we didn't pray when we promised God that we would. And when these feelings of failure continue, we give up. We then feel farther and farther away from God than we ever did. I will never, ever forget this lesson that I was taught by one of my seminary professors. One of his many, many assignments that he made us do was to make a a one-year detailed plan of how we would commit ourselves to reading the Bible more. He gave us about two weeks to complete this assignment. So as a good student, I mapped out my plan. Every single day I would study this and that. It was pretty awesome. By the time the year was done, man, I've studied all the book of 1 Corinthians in depth. That I would, I would know every single theological lesson and, and know every nuance from it. I would know all the textual criticism. I would know this. I would know that I would be uh, just an expert in 1 Corinthians. I brought it to class with my chest sticking out, all proud that I completed this task, thinking, man, who wouldn't know God more? following this plan. But this is what he said to us. Class, take a look at that plan. Keep it up as as much as you can, but once it, it starts to stress you out, throw it away. Just rip it up and throw it away. Once you start feeling stressed, you choke out any joy from reading the Bible more. This plan is supposed to serve you to enjoy the Bible more. You're not supposed to serve this plan. The Christian life is is never about how much we can do for God, but about what God has already done for us. I know that many of us are, are not in a pleasant place in life. I know that it may feel like that God is absent from our lives. Some of us are at a place where we just want to give up on God. Some of us are at a place where we just want to stop believing in Him. Some of us have real pains that we just don't know how to deal with in our lives. Some of us don't have jobs in this terrible economy. It's so hard to get up every day to to fill out that next application, send out that next resume. Some of us are, are, are trying to have kids, but we can't. When will God answer us? Some of us has, has, have been abused by a loved one when we were younger, and, and we just don't know how to handle this dysfunction that we live in now. Some of us don't know how to deal with rejection. Some of us don't or cannot kick an addiction that, that we loathe so much. These things will make us slaves to fear. Goliath tried to diminish God's glory by bullying the Israelites around and making their fear seem so. Now, some of us don't know how to deal with rejection. Some of us don't or cannot kick an addiction that that we loathe so much. These things will make us... These things, these struggles in our lives... They could suck out any hope that we have. I can tell you that these 
These struggles are all losing battles. When we think about the tangible things that we can do to relieve this, this anguish, this pain, these things like Goliath are distractions that take our eyes off of God. Keep your eyes on God. David did. David pursued God. David had a relationship with God. God was real to David. If I can ask you to do one thing, compare your God in your life right now to David's God. Are they different? They shouldn't be. The same God who fought for David will fight for you. You might be saying it's not fair to compare us with, to David, the man after God's own heart. Let me tell you something. David wasn't perfect. In fact, he was far from perfect. He committed adultery with a woman and killed her husband. Has anyone here committed both adultery and murder? Not too many of us, I hope. <laughs> but, but this is David. Yet God was still present in his life. God still used him. Throughout the Bible, God uses broken people, sinful people, to reveal himself to them. I mean, I could just start spitting out names of the Bible of people who had huge issues in their lives. Moses, David, Rahab, Peter, Paul. The list goes on. If you research any of these guys, these guys are far from perfect. God uses sinful people so that we can what? We can relate to them. If God can use them, he can use me. If God is in their lives, he could be in my life too. God wants you to be part of his plan. You know, David, when you look at him, he was just living his life day to day until God decided to use him. He wants you to be victors in your brokenness and struggles. That's when God will reveal himself to you. And to prove this even more, he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins of disbelief, our doubts. He sent Jesus Christ in the world so that we could keep our eyes on him not get distracted from anything else. How big is God in your lives right now? Keep your eyes on him. Don't let anything distract you. And he will use you in his plan. Let's pray. Father, um, Lord, we thank you so much that you are so real, that you have presented yourself so real in our lives, oh God. Lord, we, we pray that we would pursue you with everything that we have but not in a way that, that comes from us, but Lord, may we just love you and allow you to work in our lives, oh God. Father, I don't know exactly where any, everyone is in their lives, but Lord, you know. 
You know the trials, you know the struggles, you know the guilt, you know the pain, you know all these things, oh God. Lord, reveal yourself to them. Lord, we ask you. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.